Guess what? We're recording. <laughs> yes. Guess who's back? I'm ran away now. <laughs> my I'm favorite. Screaming banshees. That was my favorite part of the last episode. I feel like everybody was probably annoyed, but everyone was like, "What the fuck, guys?" <laughs> I loved it, so that's what matters. Finn's gonna. Finn is gonna eat. Oh, of course. Of course, Finn. <laughs> of course. Wait, uh, nope. He's like, maybe not. I'm nope, gonna he's going to chew on your straw. Chew Rachel's straw. He's such a menace. Cool. What are you doing? He doesn't know why should you. <laughs> he usually gets into my alcohol around this time. <laughs> so that's fun. I like leave it over there and he like dips his paws in. Is that just what the one. you got in your hand right now? Yeah. What are you drinking? What? What did I miss that? I am recording. Oh, sorry. So this episode is already off to a fantastic start. I don't think fantastic is the word. Uh, you guys, we just recorded so much, so many fun times, and <laughs> and the 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 recording thing did not want to. It didn't take any it of it. No, it took fifty five <laughs> seconds, and that was fifty five seconds of us just screwing around. Oh man. Um. <sighs> well. Well. I'm like, what are we listening to, Kat? I don't. I've already said this. <laughs> You guys are listening to Difficult Damsels. I'm Rachel. I'm Kat. <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? one where I cry. <laughs> we cry a lot. We do. We cry we, a lot. We wail a lot. There's or, a lot of Anya screams. Like Anya. Anya screams all the time. <laughs> Which is my favorite part of this podcast. Yes, so yes, yes. if you're annoyed by it, dear listener, I am. Look, she's our co-host. Not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We've established she is not the third co-host. No, she's not the third co-host. She is the host. She is the host. This is her podcast. This is her podcast. We just <laughs> live here in the, in the podcast, in your ear holes. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this is a podcast about difficult. Badass, amazing. And sometimes problematic women from history. Look at how much put together, how much more put together we are this round. <laughs> and this uh, this is this is another episode of like the problematic. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely going to be a problem. <laughs> You guys don't know it yet, but I already know. I've, I've already... <laughs> spoiler alerts are abound. Oh my god, Finn is so cute. I love Finn him. Finn is being super adorable. I it's love disgusting. Him. Well, shall I give a Cliff Notes version of what happened in the previous episode? I feel like you should. Okay. Because as we established, Kat remembers everything. <laughs> it's our dear listeners who may not. <laughs> All right. So when we started with Fred again, she started as a slave. And yep. then became the mistress of King Shoprik and eventually his queen. Name is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, though, he's like, mm, You're not noble enough, and I need a super special wife. You just my sad. <laughs> <laughs> so he marries Galswintha, yeah. who is the sister of Queen Brunhild over yes. in Austrasia, which is Fredegin's rival. Mm -hmm. And then, like, three weeks later, Shoprick decides, you know what? Just I kidding! I don't want you after all. But what does he do, Rachel? He doesn't just say, go back home. Or go to a convent. Yeah, no, 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 no. She does not get no. that option. He strangles her. Rude. Or hires somebody to strangle her. And or, Fredigan probably looked on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. She was like, if you don't do this, 
<laughs> and this starts a 40-year rivalry between Fred again and Brunhild. Yeah. Because Brunhild is her singular goal in life outside of ruling everything that the sun touches. Um, Mufasa, you need to calm down. <laughs> is to um, avenge her sister's death and get the, uh, what did we call it? The blood money. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes, For yes, her yes. sister's death. Yes, um, because her sister was promised land upon yes. her death. Yes. Not her promised land, but like her... Yes, yeah, she was promised um, whatever. the southern territories of Neustria. Yeah, where the light touches. <laughs> After that, Fredegind uh, arranges to have her brother-in-law, Sigebert, murdered. Oops. Who happens to be Brunhild's husband, strike number two. I mean, technically, <laughs> he did bring a war to her doorstep. Yeah, to see. After while she, she was giving killed birth. the one chick, Galswintha. <laughs> the one chick, the queen. And then Fredegin goes on to continue to arrange for the assassination slash suicides Oops. of her stepsons. Yes. Um, one of whom also married Brunhild. Yeah, so there's <laughs> strike three. Another husband dead. Sorry, Brunhild. Stop and then, marrying people connected to freaking Ur. <laughs> and then um, Fredegin and Shulprig lose four of their sons to dysentery. If you just don't drink the freaking water, stop giving your children water. That sounds weird. <laughs> Fredegin <laughs> also targeted Bishop Protestus. Yes. And had him exiled. He had been aiding brunhild and merovich which was didn't one of he also fredigan's stepson didn't he also accuse her of adultery though no that was somebody else oh okay different different different, different. um he was a duke oh yeah and then right. she had um iron <gasps> attached to the front and back of his neck and crushed his windpipe so that when he died he couldn't spread rumors yeah, he couldn't stop. speak spreading false rumors <laughs> it's her husband who's the adulterer not her and then finally at the end of part one of fredigan we learned that her husband was assassinated and fredigan was on the run and fleeing to paris with their little baby son itty bitty baby who has not been named uh because they did not want to announce him to the world because they thought there was a dark conspiracy against them yeah and they were terrified you could just i mean just don't give your children water the water and they won't die of dysentery but <laughs> <laughs> and also, maybe, like, watch out for random servant people riding up to you when you're returning from a hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's problematic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just seems interesting. So we are all caught up now. All caught up again. <laughs> and now we get to play a game that Kat has already played. I've already you played. Have it's not. really fun. It's really fun. <laughs> Who killed King Chopra? Wasn't Fredigan. Are you sure? Wasn't our girl Freddy. She had nothing to gain. Not Freddy. She doesn't <laughs> kill people. She kills a lot of people, but she doesn't oh. just randomly kill people. So, there so. are a total of three suspects. <laughs> there are two. <laughs> <laughs> There's three. There's two. <laughs> so the first one is not at all a suspect. <laughs> is Fredigan. Nope. <laughs> um, she is a popular suspect, uh, especially in later centuries. Because she... scapegoat is the word you're looking for, ma'am. <laughs> she has a track record Look, of sending the one and only I will defend her on. <laughs> Scramasaxes, which, as we recall from the last episode, is a hunting knife um, that are poisoned, and that's exactly what showed up. Baron agrees. No, <laughs> to kill Shulprick. They know what. Um, yes, they know. 
But as we've mentioned, it doesn't really make sense for Fred again to kill her own husband at this she point. She gained nothing. She gains nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women of this time period are basically, their power comes directly from the men in their lives. Mm-hmm. Without her husband, she is pretty much relying solely on her four-month uh-huh. infant son who has not even been who named. Who hasn't been named or announced. Yeah. She would at least wait until he was announced before she was like, oh no, she'll break. You're sick. I'm <laughs> He's like, I'm not sick. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so yeah, with, with her husband dead, Fred again has a little in the way of protection. Yeah. Suspect number two was Queen Brunhild of Austrasia. Number one. <laughs> number one suspect. And Fredigan's greatest rival. Oh, <laughs> By now, Brunhild was fully recognized as queen regent, and her son, King Schildevert II, was officially a teenager and already came home from his first successful military campaign in Italy alongside the Byzantine Empire. I just love that we send our teenage sons up. I mean, we do it still, but... <laughs> yes. He's amazing. like, he was literally like 14. <laughs> she was like, you need experience. Your voice finally deep and go fight. <laughs> And it was a relatively successful campaign, too. Well, that's good. I mean. (laughs) Childebert was also recognized as King Guntram's heir in the Kingdom of Burgundy. If Brunhild and Childebert got Schilprick out of the way, they were positioning Childebert to inherit all three kingdoms of Francia and unite it once more. Oh, God. (laughs) Shushing for... Shushing redemption! (laughs) So many Schildes. So many Shushas. I, okay, so... I was writing this episode. I can't tell you how many times I swapped their names back and forth, and I was like, "Wait, hold on, Schilprick, not Schildebert." And then I did it in Brunhild's episodes too, and I was just like, "Ah!" For anyone who's going to complain about my reference, it's from Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls. And as oh. we'll recall, um, Schilprick had also been responsible for Brunhild's sister's death. Oh yeah. Galswintha, and uh, let's not forget Brunhild's husband was killed by Fredigan, and Brunhild's second husband, her other husband, was also killed by Fredigan. <laughs> her husband after the fact. And then suspect number three was Schilprick's bastard half brother, Gundavald. 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 <laughs> So Gundavald was exiled to Constantinople after his legitimate half-brothers carved out the various kingdoms of Francia for themselves. But the Byzantine Empire still had Gundavald in reserve such, should such an event such as this present itself and provide an open seat for a puppet king. You guys missed it because we, in the last recording that <laughs> shall not be named because we can't find it, um, <laughs> we joked that some people collect oh, yeah. you know, shot glasses and... Yeah. I don't know, what do people collect? Spoons? And like Magic the Gathering cards yeah, and board yeah. games. No, no, no. And... The Byzantine Empire is like, we collect spare bastards. Like, yes. <laughs> that's what we collect. We got those in our back pocket. They have a like whole wing for the <laughs> bastard spares. So they like, look how nice your room is. Don't you love it? We're going to use it later. Listen, I know back. your hair was just shorn mm-hmm. off to be like, you can't be a king in Francia, but look at this it's beautiful glass table, right? Like, <laughs> My hair! (laughs) It ends so soon! (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) It's been suggested that a combination of Brunhild and Gudewald slash the Byzantine Empire conspired to murder Schilprick. I believe that. Brunhild's son was returning from his campaign in Italy, and when Brunhild met up with her son and his army, it was conveniently 20 miles away from where Schilprick had been assassinated. (laughs) Ha! 
But it could have been. Gee whiz. But it could have been Predigan. Nope. <laughs> Not even a little. <laughs> Gundevald also managed to turn a couple of the Neustrian nobles against Shilprick. Remember when um, Shilprick and Fredegin's daughter, Rigunt, mm-hmm. traveled with her caravan to Hispania? Yes, and I was very worried about the caravan because you were leading it up to sound like something was going to happen, and it did, but not as bad. But yeah, it, <laughs> so it did happen. Yeah. Gundavald's soldiers are the ones who intercepted. But it was like watching a scary movie nowadays. It was like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh, that's it. <laughs> well, they do comp- confiscate her. They do kidnap her and they confiscate take. Confiscate her? What is she, an illicit, illicit drunk? They and they take her to oh. a convent, and um, Fredigan at one point like <laughs> writes Does to that. the yes, <laughs> she writes to the convent to try and have Ragoon free. She's like, hey, yo, that's my daughter. You can't they, just take her. They won't let her go. The convent's like, oh, we, they're they're scary. You're like, there's armed men here. Dude, like, they're, <laughs> I can't, you can't see them, but like, they're I'm, mean. I'm terrified of you, but these guys yeah. are here and they have swords. Yeah, so. <laughs> they are a clear and present danger. <laughs> The general consensus is that it was probably um, a combination of Brunhild and Gunnvald. Yeah. 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 So, so Fredegin found herself in a tragic twist of fate. Less than 10 years ago, her rival, Brunhild, fled to Paris after her husband, <laughs> Sigebert, <laughs> was assassinated on Fredegin's orders. Fredegin was now in the reverse situation. Oh, how the tables turned. Oh, how the tables <laughs> have turned. With Brunhild's army fast approaching. Oh, and um, another thing to mention, Brunhild is riding at the front of the army. Uh-huh. Yeah. Heck yeah. We're told that Fredigan was terrified and desperate while in sanctuary at the cathedral. And we're also told that her temper was equally ferocious. Shelley Puhawk writes, she was always most ferocious when she was most vulnerable. She would rather the world hear her temper than her fear. I mean, I feel that on a cellular level, but also yeah. like that's what cornered animals do. Yeah. get real mean. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what Fredigan was. She was a cornered animal. And this is also when she's at her most dangerous. Now, as we know, Fredigan was incredibly resourceful and cunning. She knew it wouldn't be long until she had an army outside her gates. And she knew her best bet at this point was to attach herself to a new and powerful man. Retro. Who does she decide to Look, attach I herself to? I know the answer. <laughs> because I brought him up the last time. <laughs> the, um brother who came in and was like oh look i'm here and then the war happened he's like i'm gonna go he's like just kidding just kidding i'm going <laughs> yeah so fred again reaches out to her brother-in-law king guntram in burgundy she's like hey look <laughs> i didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> not this time yeah this wasn't me for this real one time this one fucking time it's not me and i need your help <laughs> <laughs> so fred again was incredibly crafty she was the sort of woman who studied the man she appealed to she knew that her style of seduction was not a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. With Guntram, she had to play her game a little differently. And unlike Shilprick, Guntram was not especially partial to strong and powerful women. Yes, Rachel, she played the meek and sad little lady who needs help from she, the man. She sure did. From the big, strong, powerful yes. man. She played, <laughs> she played the damsel like... Perfectly. She was like, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You're my only hope. <laughs> we actually have a letter um, from Fredigan, and this is part of the letter. Let my lord come and take charge of his brother's kingdom. I have a tiny baby whom I long to place in his arms. At the same time, I should declare myself his humble servant. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, she's like writing out loud. Like, she's, yes. Can I sound dainty enough? Like... Yes. 
<laughs> There's like an army outside her gate. Like, she's like, mm. she puts her hand up. <laughs> she's like, I have to do this right. I have to be a damsel and you are not helping. <laughs> Playing the subservient and feeble damsel in need of rescuing worked. King Guntram books it to Paris and he gets He's there. Like, I will save your damsel. Wait, is this the same? Is this the same Fred again we're talking? Just go with it. <laughs> right? He's like, are we sure this is Fred again? Fred again. This is Fre- <laughs> Freddy. Like, Freddy. This is Freddy. My uh, my brother's. You know wife, he's looking at it Freddy. like, oh, she must be desperate. <gasps> Girl is desperate. Here comes the man and in I white get to be armor. Because <laughs> he's not a knight. Is he a knight? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Close enough. Um, and he gets there like two to three days before Brunhild's <laughs> army gets there. And he he's shuts like, the gate. My love, I'm going to close this gate very aggressively. <laughs> he closes it very aggressively. I, I picture it like Brunhild is literally riding up, like excited because the gates are open, and then they just slowly close on her. And she's like, What is going on? She's like, Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> like that. <laughs> so yeah, um, Guntram closes the gates to Brunhild's army, and she and Shilperic are forced to turn back around with their tails tucked between their legs. Shit. She was like, I was right there. Shit, I was I right there. Look how close we were. almost had her. <laughs> so, oh God. here's where it gets fun. <laughs> oh, now is when it gets fun. So Guntram decides to stay behind in Paris for a little bit to protect his new charges. Oh, can you imagine how, I'm, like, <laughs> Fredigan's like, it's gone. Like, the, the I don't have to imagine. gone. Like, I don't Please go. To. Please just go. Here, here's the good thing, Kat. We don't have to imagine. Oh, no. It's, it's recorded by a lot of people. Oh, oh no. They're like, Freddy's pissed. <laughs> Real pissed off. So, funny enough, we still get reports that Brunhild's teenage son was also sending the occasional letter to Guntram demanding that he hand over that witch Fredigan. What? You can't, <laughs> sir, you can't just be like, hand her over. Like, she's not a piece of paper. While Brunhild and Schildebert fumed over the public humiliation from Guntram, Guntram set about restoring order in Neustria. Guntram's like, this is what happens when you forget about me. <laughs> Come back in, shining. <laughs> One of the first things he did was order all Neustrian nobles to court in Paris to pledge their oaths of loyalty to Fredegan's son. Heck yeah, okay. The four-month-old infant child was also finally given a name. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> Jesus? No, that's his name. Jesus. <laughs> No, it's uh, Clothar. Clothar. <laughs> the future Clothar of the second. That sounds like a fucking Marvel villain. Clothar. Like what? It's just French. Clothar. It's just French. Clothar. Yeah, it's like C-H-L as well. It's like Clothar. Clothar. <laughs> I had some phlegm in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> he he is named after um, Sigebert, Schildebert, and Guntram's father. Oh. So named after his grandfather. All right. All right. Clothar. <laughs> I just get stuck on that name. I get stuck on a lot of names. <laughs> the other thing Guntram did was remove power from Fredegand. You, excuse <laughs> He's like, you are a damsel now. And she's like, he's next on my list. <laughs> Everyone sees that. You all know where this is going, right? <laughs> so Guntram might have accepted Fredegand's publicly issued deference, but he knew her well enough that if he left her to her to her own devices would die? she'd be back to scheming and plotting in no time <laughs> jokes on you fool because she's still gonna scheme and plot <laughs> um and she's pretty much kicked out of the castle and well, forced to move into a large estate in the main city well, don't feel sorry for her oh. she's still comfortable okay. she's just not allowed to like interact with the court i feel like the court's gonna come to her fredigan no longer has the trappings of queenship 
We're also told that Guntram frequently forced Fredigan to dine with him as a continual show of his dominance <sighs> over her. He, okay, if this were me, for legal reasons, I'm not dating anyone. Um, <laughs> if this were me. She's not dating him he either. He would have a knife in his throat so fast. <laughs> oh no, he tripped and fell at the dinner table. She does something more clever. Oh, okay. This is why I'm she survives oh, longer than we would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'd be like, Kat, did you do this? Uh-uh. Kat, why is the knife still in your hand? What? Why is there blood There's on your hand? There's a bloody knife in your hand, Kat, and there's blood all over your clothes. What? That's really uh, juicy steak. <laughs> You're like, I just walked in and picked it up. I was just helping collect evidence. He had it already in his neck I'm when sorry, I got here. I forgot the gloves. <laughs> Jesus. So in one, it's a very famous scene. Fredigan gets up to leave the dinner table because she's fed up with Guntram. And when he orders her to stay, she says she can't. She's sick and she's pregnant. Who's baby? <laughs> Man. <laughs> That is the question. Excuse me. Real, real quick question. It seems like an important one to ask at this moment in time. So this news ends up causing a huge scandal as Fredigan oh, gave birth to Clothar only four months earlier. And it was considered a sin to get pregnant too quickly after the birth of a child. That's really what we're going with. That was a sin. Yeah. I was really mad about that. Um, but we'll and move I on have, from that. Are you I, serious? I have a painting. Oh my of God. this scene. You Hold can't on. get pregnant immediately after you've already gotten pregnant. No, it's sinful oh and it's dirty. <laughs> oh. Here's the painting. They're literally baby makers in this time. God. So according to historical records, oh, no... She looks like she has an attitude that makes me happy. <laughs> no birth ever materializes. Oh, shit. Um, it's possible that Fredigan miscarried, but the consensus oh. is that the false pregnancy was a ploy to get Guntram off her back and out of her face. Yeah, that would have... Yeah. <laughs> it may also have been a strategic move on Fredigan's part to keep Guntram's hands off of her. She knew he would never deign to marry her because that would have been incest in the eyes of the church. But that didn't stop men from having their way with women. Yeah, no shit. Anyway. Ugh. And it works. Good. Um, because again, pregnant women are considered unclean in the eyes of the church and thus untouchable. That's why we hate the church if anyone cares. <laughs> well, this is more evidence of Fredigan's cleverness and her using the system yeah. against the people She's it like, was built for. This is a bullshit <laughs> system and I'm going to make it work for me. <laughs> Anya's mad. That is what it sounded like. That is what again, Fredigan sounded that like. Is, it, Anya is Fredigan. Yeah. Very not pregnant Fredigan. <laughs> Fredigan's ploy succeeded in keeping Guntram away from her, but it also backfired in its own sort of yeah, way. Of course it did. So Guntram sends Fredigan to the city of Rouen, where she is to be kept under the careful and watchful eye of a one Bishop Protexidus. Stop it. He's like, oh, hey. And she's like, fuck me. <laughs> So, do you remember Protexodus and what happened there? But I bet you're about to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> he was the priest that had married Brunhild and Fredegan's stepson, Merovich. Oh, yeah. He also funded Merovich's rebellion against his father and yeah, Fredegan. So you could say there's some bad blood between them. And Fredegan arranged to have him convicted of treason, and the verdict exiled him from Neustria. Oops. After the death of Shilperic, Protexodus petitioned to return to Neustria oh, and like, to be reinstated to his old bishopric in Rouen. Bishopric? That's the name of the it sure shit office. Is. That's awesome. <laughs> he petitions King Guntram, and Guntram's like, sure, why not? 
And you Freddy's know what? Freddie's like, oh, let's just check this off on the list of why you're about to die. <laughs> and well, Guntram's like, you know what? She's been kind of a headache. I'm going to give her to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, and naturally, we're told that Fredigan, in her own Fredigan way, like, verbally sparred with Guntram over this appointment. And he was still like, nah. You're going. He's going there and you're going you're there, going. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And now to add salt to the wound, pretext to this was to be her domestic jailer. Ooh. Just out of curiosity, what do you think Fredigan does? I kills just, him? I just want to know, like, what do you think she does? Kills him. Can you give me more of a description? Makes him drink water. I don't know. <laughs> I have this cup does of she water. Yeah. Look, are you thirsty? You look thirsty. So drink some water. I don't know. Just stabs him. Strangles him. I'm just going to keep going down the list. Okay. Puts a hot iron on his throat. So, Fredigan was livid. Oh, Gregory shit. of Tours writes that the two were often seen in public verbally sparring with one another. Yes. <laughs> She's just this like exiled queen that's like openly sparring with a bishop. In openly hostile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she bided her time with Protestatus until an opportunity presented itself to rid herself of him. Does she marry him off? <laughs> you can't marry a bishop. Sure you can. <laughs> I'm going to set the scene for you. I really want him to be married off. <laughs> I'm going to set the scene for okay. you. It is Easter. Oh, no. And Protexodus is giving a sermon on the holiest of days for Christians. Oh, God. I'm already cringing at how awkward this is going to be. <laughs> and not only does, you know, the entire village, which would normally show up to mass, show up, but... Yeah. It is the holiest day, so you've got pilgrims coming in oh, from outside the no. city. So the church is packed. Oh, no. Does she say she's pregnant with his child? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Freddie bursts into the church. Freddie with like, your child. Pregnant, and it is yours. Our hatred turned to passion, a passionate night. And here we are. I don't know. <laughs> While Protexodus was in the middle of giving mass, a man ran up to the front of the church and stabbed Protexodus. Oh. Protexodus in the armpit. That's an awkward place to stab someone, but all right. Had the knife severed his auxiliary artery, which was likely intended, yeah. Protexodus would have bled out right then and there. Unfortunately for Protexodus, the wound just missed the artery, so his suffering was prolonged. Oh, no, she's like, I planned that. And out. we have Gregory of Tours to thank for the dramatic scene that follows. Great. <laughs> so Protexodus is taken. From the church to his rooms where um, medics are yeah. tending to him. But, like, real quick, I know how you said if they had gone for the artery. Do they know anatomy at this time? They like, probably, are they aware? Okay, they know enough to know that, like, because of where... This area? Yeah, okay. because of, like, where armor is, yeah, you know that certain points... Okay. I know he's not wearing armor, but yeah, there's yeah. certain points on the body you aim for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, he's in bed... And a very concerned Fred again oh, no. shows up, flanked by two of her dupes. Oh, no. And she's just like, you poor, protects poor this. I, I am appalled that such a thing would happen on one of our most holiest of days. I feel like she's like, oh no, I'm so <laughs> surprised. <laughs> um, and she's, she's just completely astonished and full of grief. And she feigns ignorance over the accusation accusation and she offers to send her own doctors to him to tend to his wound she promises him she will get are to people, the bottom of who tried to kill are him people already like dude we know like fred again Come on. oh yeah <laughs> protexodus was like i don't want your doctors and i already 
have She's an like, idea of who was responsible for this. So they can finish you off. <laughs> um. So yeah, he turns her away. So as blood continues to fill Protexodus's lungs, he makes the following proclamation. As long as you live, you will be accursed, for God will avenge my blood upon your head. Oh, no. Protexodus. <laughs> oh that was Fredigan's response. <laughs> Protexodus died later that day, having suffocated on his own blood. That sucks. But also don't fuck with Fredigan. Yeah, Fredigan might wait years for revenge, but she almost always got it. Unsurprisingly, much of the story of Fredigan and Protexodus comes to us directly from Gregory of Tours. Of course it does. Religious scholars and historians have pointed to the parallels between Gregory's depictions of Fredigan's royal authority versus Protexodus's religious authority and the Old Testament stories that highlight the rivalry of kings and prophets. Jezebel's power struggle with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha! are probably the most obvious counterpart, and Fredigan is viewed as a Jezebel figure. She's very consistently compared to her. Of course. The struggle between church authority and secular authority wielded by monarchs would escalate and bubble up later in the medieval era, but we do see this struggle begin to sprout in the era of Fredigan. The town leaders of Rouen were outraged that their bishop was murdered on the church's holiest of days and in a holy place to boot. They openly threatened Fredigan with a public inquiry into Protexodus's death. She's like, go for it, I covered my decks. See? <laughs> Fredigan responded to the threat by inviting the town leaders to dinner at her manor. No, go to dinner with her. Like, why? <laughs> why she... not? Because. Why? She's not safe. <laughs> She's not safe. She's not safe. <laughs> well,. Most of the leaders refused outright. Obviously. But one leader decides to go. He's like, I got this, guys. Don't worry. He's like, I got this. Like, it's fine. She and I are... Look at me. and I are best buds. <laughs> and um, she invites him to dine with her. And they, they both sit down to eat and to drink. And, um, Don't eat the food. Don't drink the water. So uh, the town leader, he said to pick up a goblet. And he gets, like, one sip in before he looks at her. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. You poisoned this, didn't no, you? No, shit. <laughs> um, I feel like if they didn't all show up, you should be like, like you know, look at the the servant across the room and she's like, uh, 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 no, 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 change it. <laughs> oh, and, and new plan. Her drink of choice was apparently absinthe mixed with wine and honey. Excuse me, ma'am. What are you, the devil? Like, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, so he took one sip before realizing it was likely poison, and he immediately fled the manor. And he apparently got as far as half a mile before dropping dead from his horse. It wasn't poison. It was a fly that he ate. <laughs> he was dysentery. It's back. Surprise. <laughs> it's fine. He didn't. Fredigan's like, he didn't die in the castle. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Fredigan continued to deny any involvement in Protexodus's death, even as members of the church threatened an inquiry of their own, and Protexodus's family reached out to King Guntram directly for justice. It just feels like this is either a like one giant game to her, or she feels so goddamn invincible at this point. She does. Like she really well, does. <laughs> she's no longer in danger from Brunhild at this point. And like Well, so here's here's the other thing. They reach out to King Guntram, but King Guntram is a little busy. 
He's not, he's no longer in Neustria. Oh. So at this time, Guntram is fighting a campaign in the Visigoth territory that he hoped to absorb into his own kingdom. So it's basically this very small strip of land that's not connected to Hispania. Yeah. It's in the Frankish lands. Okay. And he's very much like, this is ours. This is ours. I want it back. So he's, he's completely engrossed in that fight. He's also like, I didn't want her to kill me, so I left. <laughs> but he was failing miserably in this endeavor, and tales of Fredegan's blatant murdering respected members of the church likely soured his mood even more. Oh, no. Um, He's like, I, I can't split myself yeah. in two. So what he ends up doing is he dispatches a couple of his own bishops to close the churches down in Rouen as, like, punishment for what she's done. <laughs> To convince the other um, clergymen in the city yeah. to, like, rise up against her. How does shutting churches down go? He's like, like your people will rise up against you. Oh, if there's no... Yeah. Okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure she's fine with it. Like, <laughs> He even instructed them to solicit the suspicions of the nobles surrounding Fredigan. Wow. <laughs> but they surprised Guntram by refusing to work with his men and even claimed that Neustria no longer needed the assistance of Burgundy. <gasps> They had everything under control now. Oh, no. King Guntram could not fight a war on two different fronts. To march on Rouen and subdue Fredegin, he'd have to abandon his prized Visigoth territory. Guntram temporarily abandons trying to bring Fredegin to heel, but by now she was already consolidating power, and she had no intention waiting around for him to change his mind. Oh, dear. Wait, so the nobles, like, changed their mind because they're like, she killed him, maybe we should be nice to her? Or, like... I mean, at this point... They like, just didn't want the other country in there. I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, Fredegan is working her political ma- magic on the sidelines yeah. and, like, again, consolidating power. She's getting her allies. And now that King Guntram is not there to, like, enforce anything with yeah. his own soldiers, it's easier for Neustria to rise up again. Gotcha. Guntram ends up abandoning Neustria altogether, deciding it was more trouble than it was worth. This happens after two assassins are caught in his camp. <laughs> oh, oh no! He's like, all right. Fine. He's like, I've seen the. I, I've, I've seen, seen this movie. I know how it ends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I've seen this film before. Woo! And I didn't like the ending. Neither did I. So yeah, it's likely that Fredigan was merely sending Guntram a message, but he knew how persistent she could be, and he did not want to stick around long enough for a no. third assassin to show up. No, he's like, two was enough, I get <laughs> he's it. Like, I You could have just said Well, you did say no, but <laughs> You could have sent me a letter. Yeah, you a strongly worded letter. <laughs> I would have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the year five eighty six, Fredigan was officially recognized as Queen Regent for Clothar the Second. Two years after the death of her husband, Fredegin was the sole ruler of the kingdom of Neustria. Wow. Wow. <laughs> she just had to murder a bishop like, and threaten another king. It's mine. <laughs> it's I'm mine. In the end. I've killed a lot of people for this Ooh. and I will kill you too. Hell yeah. That's Get out my, of my country. I've done it before and I'll do it again. Yeah, that. <laughs> So Fredigan is now queen Woo! with many responsibilities and um, many deaths on her <laughs> conscience, but it's fine. One of the, the first things she tends to is um, she still has a daughter that is unwed. <laughs> she still has a surviving child. I forgot. <laughs> um, so we're, of course, talking about Rigun, um, 
again. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. in a convent. She's in a convent. She's now back. Oh. Fred, some, somewhere along the way, Fredigan was able to get Regu back. Like, okay. likely after Paris. Was... Probably when she killed the bishop on Easter and everyone's like, mm, maybe we should stop before then. Definitely okay. before then. Okay. Once, once Paris was no longer under siege, she was able to get Regu back. Okay. <clears throat> so when Regu was finally returned to her mother... The Visigoth alliance fell apart, and Rigunth wasn't exactly making things any easier for herself. So it's time to introduce Fredigan's daughter in earnest. Her daughter's name sounds like a pasta. <laughs> <laughs> like it sounds like rigatoni. Like, like where it do sounds these like names something delicious, from? like that I should eat. <laughs> By the time Rigunth made it to her teens, she already had a reputation for being entitled and ambitious. As a daughter, Freddie, I'm pretty sure that's not a hard leap for anyone. <laughs> This ambition was said to rival her mother's. Naturally, it became the source of many a dispute between mother and daughter. Oh, no. Now, Rigunth had been a very robust firstborn child. Had she been born a son... (laughs) Had she been born a son, it's likely that the chaos that followed the deaths of her brothers would not have carried as much weight in the kingdom. But Frankie observed the Salic custom, which barred women from inheriting... So Rigunth is basically this healthy, vivacious, and highly educated young girl, but she has no purpose in life outside of marrying someone important. Yeah. Great. So imagine how restless and frustrated yeah. she became because of that. That's fair and bitter. <laughs> and bitter. Yeah. Her purpose in life is just to become a royal trophy wife for some more important man. Some moron. You can say it. <laughs> We're told Rigunth distracted herself with various dalliances around the castle. Dalliances. Dalliances. I, I knew. Know. You know what I knew? I was like, is it dalliances or dalliances? It's like me every time I say deity. I'm like, deity. I don't <laughs> even care. Fuck it. <laughs> um, and Rigunth's open flirtations with everybody uh, frustrated Fred again. Because it's, it's hard to find a match for your daughter if everybody's like, she's a bit of a slut. She kind of <laughs> talks to everyone. Not she, bad if you talk. <laughs> she gets around quite a bit. <laughs> just because everyone loves me. <laughs> so the chroniclers say, of course. Yeah, of Because we get this of from course. men. Yeah, yeah. she is her, Fredigan's daughter. Her flirting could have literally just been like, hey. Yeah. How's your mom doing? Her hair blew in the wind and they're like, oh my God, she's flirting. What? She's a witch. <laughs> she like. Her eyelashes are fluttering. There's something in my eye. She like. Steps in bird poop and like lifts her leg and her ankle gets exposed. <laughs> She's flatty. She's oh. unclean. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, so the drama. So because of this, supposedly, um, her relationship with her mother was famously turbulent. And there are several reports of the two having screaming matches in the middle of palace hallways and arguments escalating to the point of um, throwing fists at one another. But can you imagine your mother, Fredigan, oh, yeah. Freddy, yes. who's killed many a people with or without admittals, um, and she's like, you shouldn't do that. And, Fred, and her daughter's like, oh, really, mom? I shouldn't do that? Like, murder is bad? <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Oh, no. It gets worse. So, <laughs> so Rigunth knows she's the daughter of royalty. Yeah. And her mother is a former slave. So, Rigunth is basically like, who are you to tell me what to do? You don't even have royal blood in you. Rigunth is Fredigan's daughter. 
her biological yes. daughter. Okay. Yes. Man, that means you kind of don't either. I mean, you do from your dad's side, but like. Yeah. Well, she's saying, I have it from my dad's yeah, side. Yeah. You have nothing. You have none. She's like, you have, you have rose above your station. Your wow. place is back in the Can kitchen, you basically. If your daughter said that. Oh my God, the backhand <laughs> would be real. And on top of that, she's like, you oh. should not be the mistress of this castle anymore. It should be me. Oh, ma'am. So what do Let's... you think? What do you think Fredigan does? You tell me Fredigan murders her own child. <laughs> what do you just what do you think she does? Marries her off, sends her to a convent. <laughs> I don't know. You're so sweet. I know. <laughs> Throws her in the dungeon. Uh, okay. Learn your lesson. I don't know. So we're told it's one of the most famous Fredigan stories. We're told she snaps. Oh no. So <laughs> as they're having a fight. Likely when Rigmuth is pulling the whole, like, you're a former slave. You yeah, should be. Didn't Freddie get, like, real mad when other people did that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. She's like, your place is basically on the floor with the other washerwomen. I like to imagine that's what she's saying. Oh, yeah, I'd snap too. Fredigan grabs Rigmuth by the hair and drags her down the castle towards the treasure room. Resigned and frustrated, she opens the lids of one of the chests that belonged to Shilprick. And she tells Rigmuth to go ahead and have her way with it and take whatever she wants from the chest. Wow. And Rigmuth, for whatever reason, is like, this isn't suspicious. This isn't weird. She leans over the treasure <gasps> chest. No! Oh, no! And Fredigan slams the lid of the chest down on Rigmuth's le- uh, neck. Holy shit! And leans on it so Rigmuth can't get shit. out. Wow, I mean, that's one way to, uh, that's so, child abuse, but. when the servant, is <laughs> child abuse. That would have been just fine. Like, it would have been less terrible. Still terrible. So, when the servants heard Rigmut scream, she's likely, like, yeah, screaming she's shrieking. and, yeah, yeah utter anguish. Um, they rush into the room to pry Fredigan off the chest, and it took several servants to separate Fredigan from Rigmut, who was gasping for air by the time she'd been freed from the chest. Jesus. I have the picture. Of, no, it's it's, no. it's one of the most it. it's one of the most famous scenes that gets painted. Oh so we'll we'll look Who at it at the end. That? Who's like I would love to it paint It is literally one of the most famous things oh Fredigan is known for. I would love to paint a majestic scene of royalty. Daughter in the chest. Jesus. <laughs> Luckily enough, uh Rigunth somehow survives. <laughs> I don't know what happens to her after this. She probably has an issue talking for a she, minute. She is married off to someone, but like it's he's so unimportant. We don't even know like how she dies. She's just married off at some point. She never talked back to her mother ever again. <laughs> I don't think she did. She's like, mm, we it. definitely don't hear anything about her doing Why that after Jesus. <sighs> wow, that's that escalated quite quickly. Like, wow. Really got out of hand. <laughs> A couple of years into her reign, Fredigan's age-old enemy showed his ugly face again. This time, the young Clothar falls ill. <gasps> no, she gave him water. <laughs> Why do you not learn, Freddy? <laughs> and he gets dysentery. Oh, I shouldn't laugh at this part. Oh, I'm so bad. No! <laughs> so Clothar... I thought you said he lived. Clothar apparently got so sick that everyone thought he was going to die, including Fredigan. Can't have another baby death. <laughs> she it, it gets to the it truly gets to the point where she is making funeral arrangements. Jesus. And she has sent for um Kent Guntram and she's like, you need to come to Paris right away to say goodbye to your nephew. King Guntram 
gets about halfway to Paris. She's like, just kidding, it's fine. When a messenger intercepts his caravan. It's a miracle, cat. Clothar has survived. He survives. Jesus. <laughs> We're scared about all of this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Clothar's near-death experience provoked the fear of God and Fred again. Or at least a fear over the bleak fate that awaited her if her one connection to the throne should die. Yeah, I mean. So, <laughs> um, we're told that this fear inspires her greatest assassination attempt yet. That's not what your fear should inspire. So, did she kill the water? Like, what? <laughs> Fredigan made a war. Fredigan's like, we're done with water. No one drink any more water. Only this is where the wine fountains in Paris <laughs> came from. Yes. Wine no. for everyone, even she does, children. She does not try to fascinate the water. So, Fredigan manages to convince 12 slaves to travel to the kingdom of Austrasia. Doesn't take much convincing. She's like, go do this. And they're like, sure, okay. <laughs> the targets are Brunhild's son, King Schildebert, and his four-year-old son, Thudebert. 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 It could be Tudebert. I don't know. It's I didn't terrible practice either way. that. <laughs> Sorry if your name's uh, whatever that is. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't practice it, and I bet you, like, the H is silent, and it's just, like, Tudebert, but whatever. We'll find out next. His name's Tootie Rudy. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out next episode. <laughs> um, anyway, historians often speculate in awe over how Fredigan was able to convince so many men to take up the role of assassin for her, because often it ended up as a kamikaze suicide mission. Yeah, it's... It, it, she doesn't have to convince them. She just tells them to go do it. It's said that she had a knack for appealing to the common folk, which made sense because she had been one of them at one point herself. Yeah, but I mean, there's a line. And she's a living example of a former slave rising to power. Um, and the other thing... That's not a great example. <laughs> I mean, she's very powerful right now. Yeah, but she kills a lot of people. <laughs> I don't necessarily no. know that. The random common run-of-the-mill slave. They're fully aware of the rumor. So the other thing it said she did was she would say, if you don't succeed in, um, if you don't survive this task, but you succeed, I will. No. (laughs) She's saying, if you die, but you succeed, I will make sure your family is taken care of. Okay. Your family will be comfortable for the rest of their days. (laughs) Still terrible. So there are a total of 12 documented assassination attempts credited to Fredigan. Wow. Six of those attempts proved successful. This, however, is not one of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's six officially credited to her. Um, Twelve, twelve were credited to her. Six were successful that we have on record. Oh God! And then there's like the rumored ones that we don't know of if it was for sure her, but we speculate it was. This isn't one of those successful ones. Uh (laughs) So, one of the men sent to King Schildebert's court ended up getting cold feet. Literally. Uh, What? (laughs) He was apparently found frozen in terror once faced with the physical form of the king and the full gravity of his actions. He's like, wow, you big. Yeah. So Brunhild Brunhild takes him into custody and has him tortured, and he reveals the 11 other. No. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. So all of the co-conspirators are rounded up in question, confirming the first man's story. These men were lucky. They were allowed oh. to live and were released, but not before losing some body parts. <sighs> so Brunhild has some of their hands come off, uh, cut off, others had their ears cut off, and others had their noses removed. Dude, first of all, why the nose? 
I don't know. Why the dog? Because brown nose? I don't know. (laughs) So this is your first hint that Brunhild can also be pretty vicious. Pretty ferocious. Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was one of... Fredigan's most like ambitious assassination attempts. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sending twelve people. Yeah, you really wanted that shit to get done. <laughs> Didn't happen though. Um, Maybe send the stronger person first. I don't know. <laughs> Test their feet so, yeah. before you send them in. We're gonna <laughs> um, we're gonna check back in with Guntram now. Oh, okay. So on. He's still in the trying to get the the goths back. <laughs> he fails. Oh, <laughs> it good. doesn't work. Great. And then on March twenty eighth. Hey, that's the day before my birthday. <laughs> King Guntram of Burgundy dies. The first of his name. Oh, good. Dies. Adios, muchacho. <laughs> he is granted the uniquely boring death of old age. Oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> Congratulations, you survived everyone else. <laughs> Guntram and Fredigan had managed to make amends before he died um, after Fredigan invited him her brother-in-law to, offend, uh, to attend Clothar's baptism. Oh, okay. So they've reconciled. Okay. Is, was this at, before or after the dysentery? <laughs> Probably after. Okay. Yeah. Wow, they didn't even... Oh, that would have been terrible. You remember she invited him? To, like, she was like, you need to come say goodbye to your nephew. No, but I'm saying he wasn't baptized before that? No. Oh, would have been I think terrible. he was baptized after. They're like, yeah. let's do this now. Yeah, like, this <laughs> is kind of important. Wow. <laughs> um, so after reconciling, Guntram promised a couple of Burgundian cities to Clothar on the event of his death. But most of his kingdom went to King Shilprig of Austrasia. Fredigan likely simmered with resentment that her rival inherited the largest of the Frankish kingdoms. Yeah. Shilprig and his mother Brunhild now ruled over three fourths of Frankish lands. Uh oh. Yep. Yep. Uh oh. <laughs> Guntram stipulated in his will that he wished the kingdom of Neustria, Fredigan, and her young son Clothar to be left in peace. Yeah, right. <laughs> To Brunhild's credit, she honors her brother-in-law's final wish. Oh. For about a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so close. <laughs> She's like, yeah, this grudge does not die with you, buddy. <laughs> for the longest time, it had been Neustria that tested the borders between the two kingdoms. Now it was Brunhild and Austrasia that set their sights on the city of Soissons. Soissons. <laughs> It was previously the capital city of Neustria before the capital was officially moved to Paris. Although not politically strategic, the city was still wealthy and conveniently on the border of Neustria and Austrasia, and Brunhild wanted it. Oh no. Austrasian soldiers burned and pillaged the small towns and farms surrounding Soissons. Why? Because they suck. I know. soldiers. <laughs> Because burning and pillaging was the action they selected on civilization. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Neustria responded by sending an army led by Fredigan's trusted friend, General Landrick. And much to the surprise of her own men, Fredigan herself accompanied the army. Oh, they're like, hey, what, what, uh... (laughs) It wasn't uncommon at the time for queens to accompany their kings as moral support for the troops, but they generally hung back behind the front line and out of immediate danger. Yeah, but she queen. Fredigan was no such woman. She was like, I am queen. Not only is she queen, but she is wearing armor. Well, girl. And she is riding up front with the men. Yes. So her the- boobs are away, right? <laughs> Don't know that. She's not Eleanor of Aquitaining it? <laughs> no, her boobs are definitely... <laughs> her boobs are definitely... In- they are accounted for. They are covered. <laughs> The men she traveled with weren't exactly happy to have a queen trudging through the dirt with them. What? Or, 
War was men's business. It's how they exchanged stories of jilted hearts and sweaty brothel escapades and fell in love with one another. I mean, forged new friendship I mean... bonds. <laughs> Frankie's probably like, go ahead, keep telling your stories. They're fun. I got better ones. <laughs> I killed everyone. <laughs> but this was Fred again, and she wasn't done breaking the rules just yet. Oh, God. Not only did she ride up front with her men, but there's even an account of her raiding the treasury storeroom of the villa alongside her men. Like barbarian slash Viking style. Hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Shelley Puhawk describes Fredigan as distributing gold and jewels among her generals and soldiers in much the way a barbarian king would have done. Yes. Um, this becomes a common theme for Fredigan. She will always ride with her army now. I like her, aside from the murder. Aside from the murder. You know, that part's bad, but <laughs> it's when- not her whole truth. <laughs> When finally faced with the Austrasian army outside of Soissons. 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 <laughs> Swiss cheese. Wait. <laughs> Wrong country. Hold on. <laughs> Fredigan knew she wouldn't be able to lead her men directly against the Austrasian soldiers because they were vastly outnumbered. Uh-oh. <laughs> Austrasia had a combination of their army and Burgundy's. So Fredigan's army is basically outnumbered. It's probably like Five to one. Oh, no. It's insane. So you gotta be smart, Freddy. You can't do none of this outright. She's gonna assassinate people. So I know I've mentioned that Fredigan was likely uh, very well read, yeah. which was incredibly unusual for the time given yeah. her former status as a slave. Um, I've mentioned she was likely familiar with the Greek medicinal texts. It was also likely that she was familiar with the Roman text De Re Militari, which was a book on Roman warfare and military tactics from the Roman Empire era. Yes. What do you think Fredigan does? (laughs) That's my new favorite question. Uses the books to strategize. (laughs) So Fredigan knew the best way to challenge her opponent was to choose the battlefield best suited for her army and to utilize means of subterfuge rather than direct assault. It's said that Fredigan ordered her men to march in the middle of the night, an act that in and of itself would have been unusual and considered dishonorable. She yeah, also... honorable about war... Uh, oh, God, okay. Okay, but this is an era where men faced I each know. other face-to-face on the battlefield. It's yeah. what it was known for. It's yeah. like the chivalric knight thing yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Until it didn't suit them. But Fredigan didn't care <laughs> yeah. about that. She's like, I am no man, therefore I don't have to follow your rules. She also ordered her men to use the trees and foliage around them to camouflage themselves to the enemy. So they like took twigs and branches from the trees. Tw- they the literally trees. did with the Germanic tribes. Yes. Did. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. And she also had her men fasten bells to their horses, which was a practice commonly used when people were letting their horses out to graze. Oh, no. Any enemy combatant that might have seen them approaching would have only seen the horses, presumably just frolicking merrily in the fields around them. Never assume. Although no contemporary account from the battle itself survives to this day, the events of the fight were apparently so memorable that they were recorded in detail a couple hundred years later. Yes. Likely this event became a matter of folklore and was passed down by word of mouth. In this account, Fredigan reveals this plot to her army. Um, and we're, we're told the way she's presented is she's speaking to the army. She's very honest about how unsure she is if this yeah. is going to work. She's like, we're going to try something different. Yeah. She says, at first light, let's fall upon them. And who knows? Maybe we'll beat them. What? The scheme proves successful. 
Brunhild's forces slept through the night, completely unaware that the enemy had infiltrated their camp. Whoops. When they awoke at daybreak, Fredegan's forces slaughtered them. So is this the is this the first instance of yeah a tactic like this? Because I know this tactic is used often. Well, <laughs> the tactic oh, no. of carrying trees and branches and foliage. <laughs> effectively creating a walking forest was apparently so memorable that the story reverberated through the centuries until it found its way to Shakespeare's pen and was used to describe one of the most famous battles in Macbeth. And it was later referenced by other medieval battles. Oh yeah. So yes, this is the All first right. instance of that occurring. All right. It's Fredigan's brilliant mind. Oh yeah, no, but you can't you can't just say it was a woman's brilliant strategy. You just have to pretend like it already exists. Here's where time. it also gets interesting. Some historians have noted that the tactic of using the forest to camouflage an army was prevalent in existing Celtic myths. Yep. So it may be possible that before her enslavement, she was a member of a Celtic tribe became familiar with the strategy when listening to old pagan tales told to her as a child. That would be so cool. Right? I love it. So um, this is where Fredigan often kind of gets compared to Boudicca. Hell yeah. I love it. Following the defeat of Brunhild's forces, Fredigan's army chased them all the way back to the Austrasian border and deep into Austrasian territories, (laughs) burning and pillaging as they went. And it gets sad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is warfare, unfortunately. Up to this point, the city of Paris had previously been occupied by all Frankish kingdoms, with portions of it quartered off. It was technically ruled by Neustria and Austrasia, even though the city itself was in Neustria's territory. Following her success at the Battle of Dresi, which is that battle we just described, yeah. Fredegan gets power hungry. Oh, no. And she decides she wants all of Paris for Neustria. Have you not learned anything from the dumbass men who continue to do this around you and die? No, because it's Fredigan and she's been winning every single step of the way. <sighs> Quit while you're ahead! Gambling rules number one! <laughs> this time when Fredigan traveled with her army, they were all too happy to march with their warrior queen. Oh yeah, suddenly it's different because she won a battle, you assholes? Who had more than proven herself. She's just proven. Yeah, like <laughs> She's not just a pretty face that's like showing up for moral support. Yeah. She's actually going to get dirty she's with them. She's going to get shit done. From here on out, Fredigan is regularly seen riding into battle with her men, um, just yeah. like any other medieval warrior king would have done. Yeah, she's like, I'm in charge. <laughs> She's also in her late 40s to early 50s at oh this God. point, right? <laughs> no, thank you. I'm in my early 30s and I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'll sit here. <laughs> like, my back hurts. I will cheer you guys on from horseback over there. We're the told <laughs> that the army took possession of Paris and other cities like barbarians. After securing Paris, they seized other small towns and territories along the Seine River. Yes. Um, these are all her battles. Oh, okay. Battle of Jersey. Okay, I know those are supposed yeah. to be swords crossing, but they look like scissors. <laughs> <laughs> so Fredigan's young son, Clothar, is now a teenager. Oh no, he's ready for battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Fredigan made sure to always position him at the head of the army so that the army would see him symbolically leading them. Can you imagine having to follow up that? Like, your mother? like Yeah. He's like, no, you locked my sister's face in a chest? Because she, get, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Remember that for later. Oh no, what? Well, which part? So, <laughs> the living up to his mother. Does she overshadow him his entire life? 
just remember it. Okay. Just, just keep it in the back just of your mind. Just part I should remember. Maybe a motivation for things he does later oh, God, in, in his it. life. He gets anyway. mad? Great. <laughs> um, not with Fred again, but like he does certain things that, oh. yeah. Oh, no. We are going to come back to Clothar. He um continues to play. Yeah, he's I'm, he's I'm in getting, battle right now. I'm, I'm continuing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. But just keep that in the back of your mind. I have to ask the questions too early. Um, Brunhild also attempted to counter Fredegan with the combined armies of Austrasia and Burgundy once more, but she's again thwarted by Fredegan's wily tactics of subterfuge. Oh, no. Fredegan once again carefully chooses the site for the battlefield, positioning her men on a limestone ridge that runs between the rivers of Ain and Alette. Shelley Pahook suggests that Fredegan likely positioned her scouts in the caves and tunnels in the rocks along the riverbed to spy on the enemy's position. I feel like we didn't say it earlier, but that is the author of the book that Rachel is using. Yeah, I've been saying Dark Queens. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just make it sure. She's my main source. Yeah. The ridge, <laughs> the ridge was narrow enough that it only had one way through. So when Fredegan's army fell upon Brunhild's army in a surprise attack, oh, they had nowhere else to go. Oh, no. So I like to picture Brunhild's army as just kind of like meandering do, along the ridge. And um, Fredegan's army sweeps up from both sides of the ridge oh, to no. just... Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, and once again, she completely decimates the army. Oh, no. Like, embarrassingly. Oh. When, that's kind of that's kind of how the Germanic tribes beat Rome back for so long. Because well, yeah. Rome didn't know how to fight like this. They, they're so used to fighting yeah. with their honor. And they're so used to fighting a very specific way. Very that disciplined. if you change it up in any way, they're yeah. like, what do we do? And I'm like, Rome, huh? Rome is a very disciplined um, legionnaire style. Everybody marches together. Yeah. And, I, um, and Francia adopted a lot of those tactics. Yeah. Whereas the Germanic tribes and the Celtic tribes used a lot of guerrilla warfare. Yeah. And that's exactly what Fredegan does. They used does. their surroundings because yeah. they knew they were little yeah. compared to Rome and yes. every other you know place that yeah. invaded them. <laughs> that's exactly it. Hell yeah. When Fredegan and Clothar returned to Paris, Fredegan arranged for Clothar to arrive at the head of a large triumph done in the old Roman style. Oh, wow. Speaking of Rome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was a symbolic gesture. Fredegan was presenting her son to the Franks as the new Caesar and the man to rule over all of Francia. You don't be the new Caesar, just be yourself. <laughs> be Clothar. <laughs> it was also a huge symbolic moment for Fredegan. You'll remember that at the start of our episode, Fredegan was recently widowed following the murder of her husband and had fled to Paris with baby Clothar at her breast. She's marching into Paris, owning everything. Yes. <laughs> yes! <laughs> She was an exiled queen, fending off death and hiding away in a church as she prepared for a siege. When Guntram arrived to relieve her of the siege, she became his glorified hostage. When Fredegan returned to Paris this time, she was fully in her power. She was the queen of the Franks, and she had the grudging respect of even her enemies. Yes. I love it. Here for it. The momentum from Paris kept going, and Fredegan continued to see military success. Thanks to Fredegan's skillful administrative hand in military success, Neustria was about as powerful as it had ever been. The one thing her rival, Brunhild, had on Fredegan was her close allyship with the church. So Fredegan essentially sets out to, like, get her own power base in the church yeah. now. That's really the only thing she doesn't have a monopoly on. She's like, look, I know you're mad at me because <laughs> I killed that one guy on the one important day. <laughs> 
So once Fredegin got the kingdom of Neustria firmly in hand, she set out to rub elbows and gain favor with the church by gifting her bishops the villas her army had captured during the war. <laughs> Fredegin was proving to be such a capable ruler that in time, the aristocracy began to worry that she might take a page out of Brunhild's book and decide to not step aside for her son, even after Clothar reached his majority. Yeah, I mean, shit, she's already got momentum. So that's the thing that's going on right now. Ba Brunhild, at this point in our story, has been regent for her son and then her two grandsons for about 20 years. Okay. So she has already shown women can hold power. Basically... Every time one of them came of age, she was like, I'm not stepping aside. It's not happening. Like, you're the yeah. symbolic leader, but I'm ruling everything. Yeah, I've been doing this well this long. How about you just take a seat? <laughs> Literally, that's your seat. You stay there. <laughs> Sadly for us, though, we'll never know what Fredigan would have done. Oh, no. <laughs> because she ends up dying in the year 597. Jesus, Rachel! <laughs> about a year before Clothar was to reach the age of majority at 15 oh, and no. be of a legal age to rule the kingdom alone. Fredigan had up to this point lived the most dramatic, unhinged, batshit crazy life that yeah. any woman could possibly live. Yeah. She started as a slave, became a king's concubine, ensnared him enough to send one queen to a convent and strangle another, crown her in their place, assassinate her brother-in-law, bully the church into revealing traitors amongst their ranks, harry her stepson up and down the Frankish countryside when he dared to rebel against her, sent several assassins after her rival Brunhild, burned people at the stake because she believed their witchcraft caused the deaths of four of her sons, closed the lid of a treasure chest on her own daughter's neck, rode with her soldiers in war to pillage and plunder alongside them and cut off the hands and tongues of anyone who so much as looked at her the wrong way. Jesus. You would think that such a colorful and downright villainous life would have earned her a glorious, violent death. But alas, Fredegan got the last laugh right up to the very end. Damn! <laughs> she died of natural causes in her sleep. Wow. I mean, I'm still shocked, though. <laughs> I thought there would be more. <laughs> I have more for you. Gosh darn. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Rip Freddy. He were great, but, but also not. Although we don't have a birthday for her, she was said to have been in her 50s. Oh, okay. Personal take on this whole thing. Mm, don't murder people. <laughs> don't murder people. So I like to think Fredigan saw the fruits of her many labors finally come to fruition and decided it was simply time to retire. She had seen her fair share of death and been responsible for a great deal of it herself. Yeah. Killing's an exhausting trade. <laughs> Just ask Freddy. Curiously enough, there is no mention of any kind of epidemic going on in the year that she died, and the record of her death is conspicuously lacking even the tiniest whiff of foul play. Fredigan was relatively healthy right up to her death and even participated in military campaigns directly in the year leading to her death. That's how badass she was. Yeah. She simply just decided she had accomplished what she wanted to and was done. <laughs> just as she had made her own way in the world and life, Fredigan simply took herself from the world in the same spirit. Wow. So um, a little bit on the legacy of Fredigan. Fredigan was the queen of Neustria for 30 years and queen regent for Clothar in the last 10 years or so of his reign. She started as a slave working in the kitchens of the Neustrian royal family. When she died, she was treated to a queen's funeral. Yes. 
Fredigan's body was embalmed and she was wrapped in linen that was soaked in oil with an herb mixture consisting of myrrh, thyme, and aloe. She took her finest silks and jewels with her to her grave and was buried next to her husband in the church of Saint-Germain-des-Prés. Fredigan was mourned in Paris, and she would be forever remembered as one of France's most clever, ruthless, and badass rulers to ever exist. Following Fredigan's death, her rival, Brunhild, gave Neustria about two years to mourn their queen before she invaded with the full strength of Austrasia and Burgundy at her back. They choose the weirdest times to be honorable. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. So after Brunhild starts her invasion... Mm-hmm. Um, she even visits the grave of, of Fredigan wow. to pay her respects. I mean, I guess if, if she kicked your <laughs> ass twice with the limited resources and numbers that she had, you gotta have a little bit of respect for her. Without Fredigan's clever battle strategies to counter Brunhild, Neustria lost all the territory right. under young Clothar that had been gained by his mother, including Paris. Clothar, really? <laughs> Neustria was reduced to the two regions of modern-day Normandy and Picardy. King Clothar's kingdom was now smaller than it had been at the start of his father's reign. But when all is said and done, when it comes to the rivalry of Fredegan and Brunhild, Fredegan ends up getting the last word from beyond the grave. Oh, okay. And if you want to know how that happens... stop it. You'll have to come back in two weeks. You're a monster. (laughs) ...to hear the story from Brunhild's point of view. She's a monster! I told you, Clothar continues in Brunhild's story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn! <clears throat> so, no contemporary images survive of either Fredigan or Brunhild. This oh. was deliberately done as the men of the era sought to deprive history of their memory or deeds. One of those men was Fredigan's own son, Clothar, and there are reasons that he erased them that I cannot get into in this oh, episode. Oh, that's annoying. Images may be easily destroyed, but fortunately for us, their stories were so unforgettable that they made their way all the way to our time. And we have medieval and Renaissance art to thank for that. Their exploits became popular subjects for art during the late medieval era. The parts of their stories that were depicted depended entirely upon the cultural prejudices of the era and the era's handling of feminine power. 14th century art saw an upsurge in venerating the French monarchy. This art depicts Fredigan as a warrior queen, as well as a ruthless monarch that did not shy away from torturing her enemies. 15th century art warned of the dangers of feminine power, due in large part to the influence of women such as Isabella, the she-wolf of France, and Margaret of Anjou during the Wars of the Roses in England. We did episodes on them we earlier did. in our series. You can go listen to them. Don't listen if you haven't already. In this art, we see the violent death of a certain difficult damsel we are covering very soon. Uh, yeah. As a popular depiction for the era. Wow. It serves as a reminder of the fate that awaits a woman who does not know her place in medieval politics. Uh, Jesus. Don't get violent, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and as a last testament to Fredigan's legacy, the story of Cersei Lannister from A Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones has a lot of parallels to Fredigan's story, right down to the murdering of her husband, stealing the regency for her young son, sending assassins to murder her husband's other children, and the torture and murder of political enemies. Wow. And finally, 
Before we tip our hats to Fredigan and bid her adieu, it's time to play another round of How Bad Was Fredigan? Oh, yeah, it's just terrible, but also great. I got three stories for you. Oh. Yeah, I told you we're not done. All right, all I got right. three stories for you. You can tell me which one's your favorite okay. of all of them at the end. Okay. Story one. When Fredigan was temporarily neutered following the siege of Paris and the arrival of King Guntram, she was sent away to a manor house outside of the Ile de la Chite, where the castle was. <laughs> the idea was that if Fredigan was kept away from court, she couldn't cause much trouble. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yet Fredigan still managed to arrange for an assassin to travel to Austrasia <laughs> and infiltrate Queen Brunhild's court. Oh. Apparently, the assassin sucked at subterfuge and was found out by Brunhild. Rather than execute him, Brunhild sent him back to Fredegan to expose her failed assassination attempt and expose him to Fredegan's wrath. Uh-oh. She was like, I could do it to you, but I think... I think she's going to do worse to you, yeah. so it's fine. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Fredegan, predictably, was not pleased by this, and she punished the assassin for the botched attempt by having his hands and feet cut off. uh that was probably her only stipulation. Oh She's like, gosh. if you get caught, make sure you die. Yeah, make sure Because I die. will make sure it's more painful. Yeah, you won't die with me, but it'll still hurt. <laughs> Fredigan's reputation for arranging assassinations earned her enough acclaim that foreign princes and kings attempted to solicit her services for their own ends. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Loki. <laughs> oh. Loki's like, I don't want to solicit her services. <laughs> I need her to kill someone. One such king was one of the Visigoth kings, oh, yes. and he reaches out to Fredegind, um, and we know this because uh, a letter was found from him to her. All right. And um, he basically solicits her ser her services again to send an assassin after Brunhild and Schildebert. Oh, God. This was to be her second assassination attempt of her rival. Brunhild was informed of the attempt at the last minute, and not long after, the two men dressed as beggars were caught with poisoned blades. You guys! <laughs> the two men revealed that Fredigan had instructed them to kill Brunhild as they would an enemy, so that at last Brunhild, who takes her arrogance from him, him being Schildebert, yeah. may fall as he collapses and be subject to me. Whoa. This time, Brunhild did not send her failed assailants back to Fredigan. She had them executed on the spot. I was going to say, I feel like she's fed up and pissed off. <laughs> she, by the end of her reign, she's, she's done. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> and finally, I leave you with our last story. So, Fredigan's rival, Brunhild, is credited as the first woman in history in all of Western Europe to stand as judge for cases brought to the court. She's the first woman to hold court. Okay. In recorded history. Right. In Western Europe. Yeah, it's yes. pretty cool. <laughs> Fredigan would end up doing the same in her own time, though she came to find out that people were reluctant to yield to her instructions. One of these cases involved a series of vengeance murders between two families. It all started when the uh, so there's a husband and wife. It starts when the brother of the wife accused the wife's husband um, of being unfaithful and thus disrespectful to his sister. The brother murdered his wife's husband. You, sir, there is a step that you missed. <laughs> and then the husband's family retaliated by killing the brother. Oh my God. And back and forth, these killings went wow. until the case was brought before Fredigan. Literally, they see that in the royal court. And they're like, it's 
clearly okay if we can just murder everyone. Oh no, the knife just slipped from my hand. Oh no. <laughs> With the velocity, just go into someone's chest, but it's fine. Um, so she basically orders the families, like, you guys need to stop you killing each other. Chill. That's my That's my jurisdiction. My claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> I do the killing. Um, but they ignore her order. Oh, no. Um so she kills them all. <laughs> She's like, so she invites them to the castle don't, because she's, the food she's like, wine. we we can't we can't have this. I'm gonna settle things myself. <laughs> oh God, here we go. We're told that all the families attended, oh, no. and the heads of the families were forced to dine with Fred again at her table in a painfully awkward silence. Oh, um, she presumably was forcing them to play nice with each other. Yes. At the end of the meal. Yeah. Fredigan's guards burst into the room with axes and promptly cut off the heads of the family leaders right then and there at the table. Shit. Afterwards. I thought she was going to poison them, but this is much more aggressive. (laughs) Afterwards, Fredigan stood up from the table and stared down the remaining family members that were still alive. She's like, are we done? (laughs) They all slinked away in silence and returned home. And the cycle of vengeance between the two families ceased from that day forward. That's one way to get it done. I mean, it's a very violent way. That is the story of Queen Fredigan of New Street. She's not shy away from Merdare. <laughs> Merdare. Merdare. She was um, like, this is fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Just wow. How are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fucking insane story. That's crazy. I think that's the craziest story I've ever heard I in my life. Right. Like, definitely the craziest one on here thus far. Um, my sources, of course, my main source was The Dark Queens by Shelley Puhok. And Anya. Anya was as my the, second source. As the, um, what is it, revived? Yes, the revived Fredigan come to tell her own story. She needed to be told in the right way. Fredigan would not have anyone else tell her story. No, she had, had to, to come back from the dead. <laughs> and um, the Wikipedias. The Wikipedias. That was so, aggressive. Yeah. It was aggressive. I told you. I just kept texting you and I was like, this story is insane. It is. It is. I think my favorite story was how she dealt with Protectivus. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty gnarly. Um, <laughs> I love that last one you told. It was so great. I know. She's that's, like, you want to play? Let's play. I, I do it better. That was my other favorite way. one because I was just like, only Fred again would be like, listen. I'm the only one who gets to vengeance yeah. murder here. This is my play, not <laughs> What's yours. What murder? Yeah. He was a good guy. What murder? What? Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, one of the craziest stories I have ever had the pleasure of. Actually, let me see that again. I have some what? art to show you. Oh. Easy, tiger. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, so our, our random question was going to be which which how bad was she story was your favorite, but yeah, I kind of chose that one to end on for a yeah. reason. So this is a painting of Fredigan and Rigoon. Oh yeah, I saw that in the book. <laughs> yeah, when she puts her head in a chest. Yeah, and it's a huge chest. Jesus. That's crazy. That's Fred. I have the hiccups now. Okay. That's Fredigan burning the witches of Paris. The freaking med... I almost said med witches. <laughs> um, that is oh. Fredigan um, watching Schoelperk marry Galsmintha. Oh, that's kind of sad. <laughs> it's, it doesn't last. Yeah, it doesn't end well for Galsmintha, but... It's yeah. Sad. 
That is Fredigan ordering um, the assassination of Sigebert. All right. Go kill him. That's It's one. missing her labor blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is my personal fave. Ooh. This is a drawing by Alessia de Vicenzi from the comics Fredigan Bloodthirsty. Yes. And that's how I picture her. I love it. She's basically in a beautiful blue gown with like her brown hair cascading over her shoulders and she's holding what I'm assuming is a uh, scrask mask. I think that's what we said it was. Yes. The hunting knife. I love the braids. Plotting. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that's Fredigan. Heck yeah. (laughs) I love it. Amazing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, dead bodies. So many dead bodies. She had to step her dainty feet over. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I imagine like blood dripping from her fingertips. <laughs> yeah, you have been listening to Difficult Danzels. Woo! Um, you can you reach us. You need a us. hug. Find someone. <laughs> right? Not us. But... Not us. We don't hug. Uh-uh. <laughs> you can reach us at difficult.danzels at gmail.com. We're also, I was waiting for you to like interrupt me from last time. We're also on social media, uh, Twitter, not Twitter. God damn it. What is it? Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, yeah. <laughs> At Difficult Dancels, the podcast. And T H E, not a Z. I'm losing my voice. She but... is. She's slowly dying. Um, you can help our podcast out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing Heck wherever yeah. you are getting this in your ear holes. Heck yeah. Share on the social medias. Share on all the social medias. Tell all your friends about us. <laughs> dying. BFFs. Rachel's dying. We might not come back. <laughs> You're going to have to say to stay difficult because I can't. <laughs> Rachel is staying difficult by refusing to... Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, while Rachel dies, stay difficult. <laughs> And come back in two weeks for a Broomhild story. Broomhild! Stay difficult. Stay difficult. Shawshank Redemption. Oh my god. <laughs> what was the one? Bird, bird. bird Bird's the word. word. Bird, 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 bird. <laughs> Bitch the pot, the tea is hot. Hi, this is Emily. And this is Maddie. And this is Spill the Mead, a history gossip podcast. Because listen, who doesn't love some hot gossip? Especially gossip about some of the wildest things that have ever happened in literally the history of forever. Because if you think about it, that's all history is anyways. Gossip! Gossip. Join us every week while we dish out some of the juiciest stories from history. Anything from historical people, places, events, there is no topic too outrageous or too scandalous that we will not cover. So pour some mead and grab your besties and get ready for a history lesson like none other. Spill the Mead, now streaming wherever you listen to your podcasts.